This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's a place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time, and today we're going to talk with a gentleman, a physician out in Iowa, Dr. David Steenblock. Welcome, David. Thank you for coming on board. We appreciate it. Hi, Chuck. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm from Iowa. I now live and practice in California. Oh, you do? I'm sorry about that. I was looking no. at the Iowa references. Yeah, well, it's hard to get out of Iowa, but I finally did. <laughs> I made it out here to California, the land of sunshine and, and forest fires right now, or fires we have going on. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a great state, though. We're going to find out more about exactly where you are before we get over, but I want to introduce you in just a moment. But I'm going to just, as a teaser right now, tell everybody that we're so interested in talking to Dr. Steenblock. He is interested in stem cells, HBOT, which we'll talk more about in a moment, mainly personalized regenerative medicine. And we're going to be talking very specifically about what can be done about Alzheimer's and ALS. We're going to get jump right into that in just a moment. Before we get started, let's talk a little bit about our sponsors. And you listeners already know how much we love the reality of hard data here at CBJ. And today we welcome our clinical friend and new partner, Direct Health Access Laboratories with over 3 million studies. They're deep leaders of experience with the big picture of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrole, and copper challenges, they provide a global service with a molecular focus. Stay tuned and run over to dhalab.com forward slash core for more information. And our other sponsor is a really dedicated to detailed improvements of mind care on a treatment level. Today, we're pleased to welcome the other pot, uh, sponsor and partner with a deep interest in fresh options to address the complexity of, get this, adolescent treatment failure nationally and internationally. Why do we say internationally? Because they are so involved with TRICARE, and there's so many TRICARE uh, participants which actually use their services. For 80 years, the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center teams in Norfolk, Virginia, have provided residential care on an evolved family interpersonal, and I'm going to tell you personally, they live right down here near where we are, on a comprehensive level. They're doing all kinds of fresh ideas with adolescent residential care. Do drop in over at Barry Robinson, B-A-R-R-Y, robinson.org forward slash core for more information over there. So now let me introduce you to David Steenblock. He is an osteopathic physician. He was born in Iowa and has four children, one grandchild. He's been practicing medicine for over 40 years and is currently medical director of the David Steenblock DO Incorporated Personalized Regenerative Medicine Clinic. And he does a lot of research there as well with a 501 nonprofit organization. Beginning in 1989, Dr. Steinblock was one of the first practicing physicians to employ, get this folks, it's been an interest of mine for many years, hyperbaric oxygen therapy to treat stroke, and was one of the very first to use HBOT to treat an acute stroke case, which produced a remarkable 
clinical response and turnaround. In 2002, he started working closely with highly credentialed physicians in Mexico who treat patients with pure cord blood stem cells in conjunction with protocols he developed out there. And in 2004, he helped spearhead a pilot study involving eight children with cerebral palsy. They were treated in Mexico with cord, cord blood uh, stem cells. We want to talk more about that. It's considered edgy in the United States, but if it's working, we should be talking about it. And he's co-authored the very first lay-level books on umbilical cord stem cell therapy ever published called Umbilical Cord stem cell therapy, the gift of healing from healthy newborns. And we're going to be talking more about that as well. So during the 1990s, Dr. Steenblock began specializing in the repair and regeneration of damaged brain tissues in people with chronic stroke, traumatic brain injury, cerebral palsy, and autism by the use of hyperbaric oxygen treatments. So let's go on and talk about what is hyperbaric oxygen treatment in the first place. And, and I want to know on a personal level, I'm just going to ask you to amplify on this when you start, is the type of chamber that you're using so we could also talk about that. So if you tell, tell us, first of all, I'm, I'm getting the cart before the horse because I'm so interested. Tell us about how you got interested in the first place, then we'll talk about the technique and the equipment. I got interested in in hyperbaric and regeneration and stem cells. <laughs> you, you, you put a big question out there. Yeah. I, I, I started in Iowa yeah. <laughs> in about 1948. Uh, yeah. I did my first autopsy. Can you believe it? And, 48? Yeah, and I, when I was four years of age. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Was yeah. your father a, a physician or something? No, but he was a farmer and we had a horse die and, and the vet came over and was going to do an autopsy. And I, I insisted that I got to help. And Good for you. Everybody tried to drag me away, say, no, it's not proper for a four-year-old. I said, get out of my life. I'm doing this. And that's how it began. And so, so I've, been, interesting. I've been interested in, in medicine and aging and, and how that whole thing works since then. And, and so I've spent my whole life basically becoming a doctor and learning as much as I can possibly to help myself and help you. Uh, so we're all in this together. The only way out of here is to, to die. And I'm trying to <laughs> keep you from dying and keep me from dying. So that's my <laughs> story and I'm sticking to it. So <laughs> how, how I do it is by learning everything I possibly can and, and uh, figuring out all your little problems because there's a big difference in, in doctors around the world and how they believe and, and including aging people. Aging, uh, I, I, got, I had a PhD fellowship once and they, they gave that to me at the University of Miami and to study aging. I got there and they didn't want to hear about pathology. And pathology, of course, is disease. And I thought that pathology and disease went right hand in hand with aging. And, the, and these aging doctors didn't believe that. They thought you age and, and, and pathology had nothing to do with that. I said, well, that's not the way it works. And I don't agree with that. So I left and went back to medical school because I think pathology is intricately involved with the aging process. Yeah. And if you start thinking about it, how and why that works is because of the telomeres. And telomeres, of course, are the ends of the chromosomes that replicate and only replicate about 52 times before they stop working. And your cells stop working and you stop 
yourself, being able to repair yourself. So if you don't have cells that can repair, you can't repair and you can't regenerate, you can't keep alive. And so anything we can do to keep those telomeres long and keep those cells replicating in a normal fashion, you can repair yourself even at a long, at a, at a, at a old age. But when you when your telomeres get short because of oxidative stress, wear and tear, infections, heavy metals, and all these kinds of things, your telomeres get short. You can't replicate. You can't repair, and you cannot re, you cannot live long. And so you die early because of that. You know that because if you look at uh, back in. Uh, 200 or 500 years ago, uh, the average lifespan was like 29 years, right? Because of the fact we had no, uh, we had no vaccines, we didn't have good clean foods, we had, we did, nobody had anything, so we were just out there like wild animals, basically. In those kind of situations, the human population generally lived to only till 29. Now, what caused them to die? Infections, and so infections kill them then, and they'll kill us all because the infections cause a certain change in the white blood cells, especially. Now. People don't realize this, but when you eat, for example, uh, meat, uh, your white blood cell count in your blood, if you measure it, runs about eight to nine, ten thousand, right? But if you switch over to a vegetarian diet, it drops down to four thousand. Now that's a big difference. That's half. Now why is that important? Because white blood cells have enzymes that degrade your entire body. And so the more white blood cells you have in your body from infections, get it? The infections cause these white blood cells to rise up in number and these enzymes in, in the white blood cells are called matrix metalloproteinases. They digest all your extracellular matrix and the blood vessels and whatnot in your whole system and so you start to age quicker and faster that's why you get wrinkles and all these things that go along with the aging process because of these infections you know the people that have smoke and and uh, have chronic infections they look bad right because their skin becomes uh, sunken and they get more wrinkles and and the color is not so good it's all because of this degradation of the extracellular matrix which is because of these white blood cells so anything you can do to keep infections from your body and and uh, and uh, stay healthy basically by keeping infections out of your body and avoiding having infections no matter what and keeping those white blood cells low you're going to stay alive and live a long long time as compared to having chronic infections one after another old people the ones that live the longest over to be over 100 years of age they've done studies on those and you know what they found they found that the the reason they lived a long time was the absence of risk factors, the absence of infections. They never were sick a day in their life. You see, that's mm. what causes a person mm -hmm. to live a long time. Never get sick. That's what causes you to live long. So you don't want to get sick. And if you do get sick, you want to get it treated right away. And you don't want to keep festering and say, oh, I'm not going to go to the doctor. It'll go away and all that. Because all of those things take its toll. They take their toll on, on your system. Because if you have an infection in your lungs, for example, the lung tissue is being oxidized and damaged by the infection. And that causes those telomeres to get shorter. And the cells in that tissue then becomes, they become, they have replicated trying to repair and mm. they don't have any any uh, replication anymore after a while. So your lung tissue can't repair and when you get to be 60 or 70. That's why you get emphysema then because you, you've already taken away all the, the reserve capacity of those tissues because you've been damaging it with infections and, and, the, and the smoking and all that. So you wind up with no cells that can repair. So now nowadays we have some real new exciting things to talk about. And I, I, I'm, I'm just jumping off into this stuff because it's so interesting to me. And that's the thing called synolytic therapies, synolytic, S-E-N-O-L-Y-T-I-C, synolytic therapies is a way to take out these old 
old cells out of your body and remove them. And when you do that, that frees up all your tissues that are, that are now congested with all these old cells that are no longer working. And they're just festering in there, causing you inflammation. And in fact, you know, they're just irritating your tissues and making mm -hmm. you ache and sick and not have energy and all that you get rid of those and now your your bone marrow stem cells can replicate and go in there and fix those and fill those in and now you have new cells that are coming from your bone marrow so you're having a really rejuvenative effect by just getting rid of these old cells so that's a new technique that we're just now starting to explore i just started to treat people with this new kinds of therapy and i give it we can give it orally one of the things that works uh, right now that anybody can do is quercetin quercetin, which is a bioflavonoid. You take like two grams three times a day and gamma tocotrienol and you take 100 milligrams three times a day. And you do that and that helps take away these old cells. So that's a real trick that can help you right now start getting younger right now without really too much time or trouble. Okay, so that's that's an exciting now. You can also take out those old cells and put in new cells, so stem cells. So if you if you have, uh, you know, so let's say you're 65, 70 years of age and you want to get younger, what you can do is do this, take, take out these old cells, and then you can do a, a treatment where it's called a nupogen or filgrostrum, which is a granulocyte colony stimulating factor, which is a drug that we use. It's not a drug drug, it's, it's a natural hormone uh, substance that, or cytokine that the body uses to mobilize stem cells from your bone marrow. And so if you take that daily for five days, what happens is that the stem cells from your bone marrow are flooded, they come out and flood your system, and they'll go into those cells, those areas where we have taken out those old cells and repair and replace, okay? Now, if you wait for two weeks, three weeks, and do it again, what happens is that the bone marrow that you just re re put out into the circulation, mm -hmm. there's a new crop of bone marrow stem cells that you've just you have just induced to grow. And these new stem cells that you've just induced to grow by this five-day course of Nubigen, now, two weeks, three weeks later, you've got five to 10 times more stem cells in your bone marrow than you had to start with. So, and these cells are like virgins. So here at 70 years of age, you can have a whole new set of genetically perfect or close to perfect stem cells throughout your body by just doing this little technique. And, and so that's a really exciting new way of doing it. Now, in general, to do it really well, you have to do a bone marrow. You take out the bone marrow with a needle and take it out and, and put it back into the blood so you get all, the, all these brand new fresh virgin stem cells out of your bone marrow because they have a hard time coming out. But, but if you do that, you get some really great results. Even with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, all kinds of diseases, you get some great results with just this simple technique of, of taking Nupogen first and then waiting two weeks and then getting the, doing the bone marrow. Could you spell that word because I'm unfamiliar yeah, with it? Yeah, Nupogen is spelled N-E-U-P-O-G-E-N. N-E-U-P-O-G-E-N. Yeah, good. Or G-C-S-F. G dash CSF, granulocyte colony stimulating factor is what it's called. And it's, it's a typical product that they That's use for, for cancer. And, and they use it for cancer to stimulate the bone marrow to make stem cells appear in the bone marrow from, from the bone marrow into the blood. And they, after five days, on the fifth day, they do what's called a leukophoresis. And they take the blood, take and remove the white blood cells, collect these cells, and they then freeze them, uh, and so then they give you cancer, chemotherapy, and whatnot, and then they take, uh, a few weeks later, they come and get it out of the freezer and give you back your own stem cells that you made by this process. Well, that's good, but for you and me who, are, who don't have cancer, it's a way with this technique of doing five days of, of this Nupogen and then wait for two weeks, the body's bone marrow will have 
replicated many times in that two-week period, and you have these cells that were not uh, operating, uh, and they were at the bottom of the bone marrow. So there's in the bone marrow, you have two layers, a superficial, which is what you're using right now. You and I are, are living off of these red cells and white cells that are being manufactured from the superficial layer in the bone marrow. But mm -hmm. underneath that, in the basement, you have cells down there. I call them virgins. They're in the mm -hmm. basement hiding out. And so they're not, they're, they're not getting oxygen. They're not getting much blood supply at all. They're like little seeds just in there perfectly waiting for you to say, I need you now. And so now you can go in there and get those perfect cells and bring them out and put them into your system. And those are much more vital than the ones that you have here on the, on the surface that are now just normally working. And they've been working now for 70 some years. And so they're getting a little tired of it all. And well, so, that is so interesting, David. Now yeah. let me run the tape back for just a second sure. because you said so many interesting things there. And I know it ran by me and I was listening carefully, but you were talking about those old cells and something I didn't quite get from you. It sounds like implicit in your remarks was the fact that the old cells somehow predispose a person to not being able to recover in some way. They actually do something negative That's right. to the evolution. And, and you said something quickly about that. How does all that work? Well, they don't work is the problem. And so as the cells, you know, the normal cell has about 52 replications before it stops replicating, okay? Mm -hmm. It cannot it cannot multiply again. It just runs out of gas. And the reason for that is these telomeres get shorter and shorter, and they control this rate of, of replication. I got so you. When, when you run out of those 52 replications, because your body is replicating because of damage, you know, your lung is being damaged by the smoking and the infections, and so it has to replicate to repair. So it has to make new cells to repair the ones that are dead or dying and, and damaged from this all the stress that is being put on the tissue. Gotcha. So after, after 50, about around, really it starts about 40 uh, replications, the cells start to slow down and no, no longer function. By the time you get to about 50, 52, they stop working altogether, but they don't die. They just become like my, I always make a joke about my grandfather, Mm -hmm. A great guy, but when he was older, he uh, got uh, got uh, the couch potato uh, syndrome, and he sat on the on the couch and wouldn't move, and he'd sit and watch these cowboy westerns that we used to have when we were kids. Remember those? Oh yeah, Hopalong Cassidy and, and all that, mm -hmm. Roy Rogers, and here he'd be sitting there, and I couldn't get him off the sofa, and he wouldn't move, he wouldn't do anything, and he just would you know mess up everything. So that's what we have: old cells not wanting to do anything. They're just sitting in there messing up, and so. Uh, they're not good for anything and they're just taking up space. And so if you have ha half of your, say if you half of your liver are senescent cells, that means half your liver is not working. So if you can get rid of those and let new cells come in there, then you have now return of function. So you have a lot more function that you have uh, when you're young. As so they dissolve those old cells. They actually go in and, and, and break them up in some way. Well, yeah, that's what I was talking about, the synolytic therapy. That's what this is That's all what about. it is. Okay, the, I got the, you. The quercetin and the gamma tocotrienol is something I can tell everybody to do right now. I'm using things in the office that are much more aggressive in terms of removing that because you come in from wherever you come in from, and I want to give you the best shot of youngering as I can. I have a whole program called Youngering where you come in for one day, two days, three days, four days, and I put you through uh, therapies, IV therapies and whatnot that take out these old cells, and then I pump in new cells, brand new umbilical cord stem cells, so you get really quite a youngering effect. It's, it's really amazing what you, what you can get with this kind of that therapy. That is now. terribly interesting. I mean, the application there is, is, is very interesting. So what you're talking about right now is one aspect of it, which is the 
uh, regeneration and aging issue. And we started there and that's where we are right now, right. justifiably. But it was interesting because you were also talking about things beyond the aging process and in the notes that we were reading here in your, in your CV. And oh, yeah. Well, we have, we, we're, we're talking, I specialize a lot in, in neurological cases because I've been doing neurological now since about 1990, 91. And so for the 1990s, I specialized in, in brain injuries. And, and so I, you know, treated thousands of patients and mostly with hyperbaric and, and growth factors and things like that. So I've got a lot of experience with neurological cases. And then uh, from 2000, 2001 on, I started expanding it into the stem cell arena and we started doing stem cells and and we've been doing umbilical cord and bone marrow and fat stem cells since then i've done now over seven thousand cases and uh, and just briefly uh you know you mentioned cerebral palsy i can tell you for a fact cerebral palsy there's no other treatment that is is as good as stem cells for cerebral palsy i don't mm. know why i do not understand why it has not taken hold and the government has as and the insurance companies have not started to pay for it because it is marvelous it is a miracle for cerebral palsy it's, it's just mm. i can't speak enough about it i've treated thousands of these cases and i can very i would say there's a, a good 80 percent of all the patients have good good to great results, okay? Now, yeah. And you know, these are people that are, you know, I have had five children totally blind have regained, their, have gained their sight, never could see until they got stem cells. Oh that's, my gosh. That, that's amazing, you know? But those things are not talked about and nobody hears about them. And, and part of it is because I'm so busy uh, doing what I'm doing, I don't have time to write up all this paperwork, you know? Well, stop right there because I want to ask you because we, my understanding was that that was, you had Mexico here, I didn't know you were doing it in the United States. Well, you know, the, the world has changed considerably over the last 15, 17 years. Now we have doctors all over the place that are doing umbilical cord stem cells. Can you believe? And, yeah. uh, and they're selling them. Uh, you know, you can buy them online even. It's just mm. amazing. And, and the FDA is not coming after anybody, it seems like. And the, and the reason, I think, is because there's no harm being done. And so when there's no harm being done, and it's just, then it's just a matter of the pharmaceutical industry bitching about the fact that we're not using all their drugs as much. Uh, the FDA has a hard time going up against the public when the public is saying, why not? You know, it's not hurting me. It's my money. If I want to spend it on, on doing this and it doesn't work, that's my tough luck. You know, when you come to me, I don't tell you that it works fine for anything. I say, you know, it's all experimental. It may work. It may not. You have to sign a piece of paper that says it's all experimental and, you know, take your chances and whether or not it's working because all I can do is try to maximize your chances, but I can't say that it's going to work possibly. You can't say that about a drug. You can't say that about surgery. Why could I say that about stem cells? But people will say that, you know, out there. And so those kind of people that are making a lot of claims and all those people get in trouble. You can't say that stem cells are a treatment for cerebral palsy. I can say it helps stem cells. Stem cells can help cerebral palsy, but I can't say it cures it by any means. Mm -hmm. I can't say it cures anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it, it sure helps your quality of life. If you were in a wheelchair, you might be able to walk now. If you could not see now, now you can see. Now, is that a quality? Yeah, I think that's a quality of life issue. Is that Absolutely. <laughs> that would definitely be a good, yeah, yeah I think that, so. I don't have to think too much about that. Yeah, it's not a cure because they may still have some paralysis or that, you know, but mm -hmm. it's, and, and that's where it's the an improvement. FDA comes. Yeah. yeah, the FDA gets into saying, if you're saying it really cures something, you're in trouble. Now, they've, you've now labeled it as a drug, you become an illegal 
illegal purveyor of a illegal yeah. drug and now they come after you and all that kind of thing. So I don't do that. I, it's all experimental that I do. And even though I've done thousands more so than anybody else, I still say it's experimental because I have all these legal issues that I have to deal with too. Well, and furthermore, you don't think polemically. You're not right. reductionistic in your right. thinking. Right. So, right. so the word cure is not in your right. vocabulary because it's uh, too, too reductionistic and right. too simplistic. Right. And you're a comprehensive guy. You're doing a multiplicity of things all at the same time. Right. Now, well, this is a terrible, interesting conversation. I hate to take a break, but we've got to take a quick break here. And I'm going to tell you the question I'm going to ask when we get back. I got two, two questions. They're both big. And so we're going to go over if we have to, because this is such an interesting conversation. And I know a lot of our neuroscience individuals, our core brain people are going to be interested in these next couple of questions. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about two things. One is, we've been talking about stem cell. We've got the book. We're going to have the book in the show notes, this, uh, you know, umbilical cord uh, stem cell therapy. We're going to have that. Then we're going to do is come back. I'm going to ask you about HBOT. What is HBOT? What do you do? How do you do it? And we're also going to talk about ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, and Alzheimer's. And, I mean, how can we do that in another half hour? It's going to be terrific and difficult. but We'll be back, folks, in just a minute to ask David more specific questions about those two topics. Let's take a break. Well, folks, you know as well as I do that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials and those very, very brief hospitalizations, may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and, and those adolescents from 6 to 17 years old. Improved care, those next mandatory steps, should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges, from family to peers to school, diagnostically from defiance to depression, on every level for families, including military families internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living how do we know we refer folks over there all the time, strongly endorse what they're doing? So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's D-H-A-L-A-B.com forward slash core. Well, David, thanks for coming on board. This is so darn interesting. So let's just start with HBOT and just, I got a, um, I got the curiosity cat going on here. 
because uh, do you use a hard chamber? Do you use an inflatable chamber? What is your uh, atmospheric pressure that you use? And tell us a little more. You put in pure oxygen. How do you, how do, you do all that? Well, it's a basically hyperbaric oxygen has to be a pressurized system. And so you have to have some kind of a container that the person is sitting in. So there, like you say, there's high, there's hard, hard metal shells that you enclose the patient in. And then you also have some like uh, canvas uh, kind of soft uh, and, and the soft ones have atmospheric pressure from uh, one to about 1.3 atmospheres. And the hard shells go from uh, one atmosphere up to two to three, depending upon the chamber. The chambers I have go from one to two atmospheres. And the reason I, you can go higher if you buy a more expensive chamber, but uh, when you go above two, uh, then from a neurological point of view, you start having more troubles. From a neurological point of view, you have more seizures and things like that. And so from a, from a general practical system, uh, mine are only designed to go to two and I don't go to more than two because of the fact that you have more complications when you're doing neurological with them and that's what my cases are neurological so I had no reason now if I were treating diabetic neuropathy kinds of thing diabetic ulcers then I would be wanting to have a chamber that would go to three atmospheres because then you'd be using a, a, your pressure is at 2.3 atmospheres but I don't treat those kind of cases much at all in fact I haven't treated one in many many years and so I have no reason to have those more powerful chambers. But the point of the, the, the way it works is that you have to have in generally an area of your body where there's a lack of oxygen, a partial lack of oxygen to a tissue, generally because of some damage that has occurred. So if you were in a car accident, you banged up yourself and and the blood vessels in that area have been damaged, then the blood flow is not going to be as good. The tissue swells up, and, and with a combination of a, the edema from the, from the damage and the blood vessels being damaged, this tissue becomes very swollen, and uh, you will be suffering in great pain. But, and you might take, uh, maybe it takes a month to, to two months for you to recover from this big bruise, let's say. You were, like I remember a case, a motorcycle guy, he, he falls off his motorcycle at 50 miles an hour, Hour and bounces down the freeway and his whole his whole left side is just twice as big as his right side because that that just that right that left side just went bang 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 down that freeway and so his his left buttock was about twice as big as his right buttock well well what do you do with that so he actually was able to sit in the chamber and within like three days we dropped that right down to darn near normal. So the pressure was able to reduce that swelling and take away the, the inflammation and, and whatnot so that the blood flow could return and the edema could leave. And he was able to get out of all that month long of pain and suffering because he was able to do hyperbaric. Hyperbaric will actually heal you about twice as fast as you would normally without hyperbaric. So it's quite the therapy for any kind of a traumatic injury that you have. Uh, unfortunately, people don't think about it because you know, first of all, you don't have traumatic injuries very often. But if you have a family member sometime or if somebody that you know has been in a car accident or whatever, you can, you know, remind them that hyperbaric oxygen will help them solve that problem quickly and, and easily. Now, in stroke, it's a different situation in the sense that, that the stroke causes a a clot or a blood uh, blockage to a, a blood vessel in the brain, and that causes the tissue in the brain to uh, to become inactivated and some of it to die. Now, with that dying tissue, that tissue swells up too, just like the the buttock was uh, swollen because of that car accident, that motorcycle mm -hmm. accident. So that the inside of the brain swells up, and it continues to swell up for about 72 hours or so after that stroke. 
Now, in the first few hours is a real critical time because during that first few hours, that, uh, that swelling just keeps getting bigger and bigger and it causes more and more pressure on the blood vessels that surround it. And that increasing pressure on those surrounding blood vessels causes those blood vessels to slow to become occluded as well. And so you have an escalating, uh, in expanding uh, brain problem where the tissue is gradually becoming more and more involved. And so stroke goes from a small area to a larger and larger area. And the good, the best case that I know of to remind you about is Richard Nixon. When he had his stroke, if all of us remember, some of this older folks can remember him, and, and he was on his, he, on his way to the hospital, he was alert and awake, and he was giving us all the victory sign he was going to overcome and all that. Well, within 24 hours, he went into a coma and died. And the reason for that was because of this expanding uh, chronic, this edema that was swelling and causing compression of the blood vessels around that, that central area that he had started off with. And so anything you can do to compress that and keep that swelling from occurring is beneficial. So I had a patient like this who came in in a coma, who came in, who called me, her, her daughter called me in a coma. She, the, the patient had a coma. She was being admitted to the hospital. The daughter called me, what do I do? I said, put her in an ambulance and bring her over to me against medical advice. Can you believe it? And so mm. it, it was a you are You are a serious fortitude guy. <laughs> yeah. So, so here I, I bring this patient over. She's in a coma. I put her in a chamber and I treat her for an hour and she doesn't get a bit better. And I'm about to die myself because now I figure, you know, I'm yeah, in trouble. Yeah, I'm in big yeah. trouble. So I pull out my stops and I say, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this. And so I put her on an intravenous solution of all kinds of goodies to help take away the swelling and inflammation. And I put her in hyperbaric oxygen and within an hour she was better. And then wow. I did it again, and she got better, and it in and better. And within 24 hours, she walked out of my clinic intact, swear to God. Walked oh out God. intact, talking, without, with, I had to have her, I had to hang on to her arm just a little bit, because she was a little yeah. bit, a little bit un, unsteady, but she was alert and awake and, and had no paralysis, never had to go through physical therapy. That's the power of doing a combination of hyperbaric and other and things. And the IV. Now, did you yeah. put ox, straight oxygen in there or just use the hyperbaric? No, just hyperbaric was for the oxygen. The IV was a combination like chelation and uh, mannitol and, and catalase different antioxidants. Well, I know some people use supplemental oxygen, but some people just use the straight increase in pressure to in increase uh, the oxygen perfusion. Do you, do you run just, real oxygen in there? Yeah, yeah pure oxygen, medical-grade oxygen. You do. Is, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in using air because, you know, you need to get the oxygen in there at right. high pressure because you've got damaged tissue that needs oxygen. You need to get that oxygen to the tissue. You need to saturate the blood that's going in there because the blood can't get in. It has to get through by serum. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So it's a great thing. Well, and the other thing is what were you running in there? What were you doing, vitamin C, omega-3 fatty acids? What, what kind of things know, were you like doing? I say, like I was saying, the chelation was EDTA chelation. Uh, oh, EDTA. Manitol, uh, manitol is a... a, a uh, I was using catalase and uh, superoxide disputase and uh, things of antioxidants. I got you. I got you. To yes. help sh shut down the inflammation and take away the swelling. Okay. Very so now, now the interesting is now I went on to chronic stroke and I started treating chronic stroke and I had great results with that too. And I did a whole, you know, most of my cases were 2000 of those were chronic strokes. People come two, three months, two, three years after having done everything else and they're running out of options. There's no more options at that time. They had no stem cells that were around. 
around. And so they came and we did a two-month program and we got about a 93% success rate in terms of at least one or more of their different functions that were lost were re able to be regained. So we had mm. a great success compared to everything else. But then after that, they'd say, well, what else is there? And that drove me into stem cells. So looking for those people to get answers, I came up with stem cells, started using stem cells on them, and we've been doing stem cells ever since. Now, we are, our, our hyperbaric oxygen load is very low because stem cells have really replaced, in general, the uh, the use of hyperbaric Is that right? That oh, is yeah. so interesting. Yeah, because you can come in, and one day I can give you the same amount of treatment in one day that in terms of results that you can get for two months of hyperbaric. So this, it makes no sense to spend all the two months of going from your house to the hyperbaric and back and forth and back and forth. It's a four hour trip to get this all done every day. And it so it takes a lot of time and money. Whereas with stem cells, you can come in and one day you can be a whole bunch better. And, and the cost is about the same. So the cost is no, and so it's just a matter of time. And it's just amazing how much better you get with stem cells as compared to hyperbaric. Now, hyperbaric is still good for those people that can't, you know, can't, can't afford it and do a few treatments or whatever. But still, all in all, I, I've gone mostly all to stem cells because of the better results overall. That is totally interesting. Now, let me ask you this question. Let's go back and hit one of the main reasons we started talking, ALS and Alzheimer's. Let's talk about those pathologic states and what do you do? Do you do the entire, as they say in Philadelphia, the whole mishpuka? Or do you do just uh, the stem cells? What do you do with those, those uh, maladies? Well, with ALS, it's very interesting. On, and one of the PDFs that we have for you, if you want to download it, is my uh, understanding and explanation of the cause of amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. And now it's a little bit complicated. I'll quickly go through it, but basically it starts off, mostly men have it as compared to women. And the reason for that is because men are more active in the youth. They're more football players and soccer and whatnot. And what happens is they get their necks injured. And the neck injury causes, over time, a degenerative joint disease called arthritis and osteoarthritis. And they also get osteophytes, calcium deposits in and around a spinal nerve. Okay, so now that's okay. There's no problem. Person's going about their life as if nothing happened because it doesn't bother them. But they have it. And so now here, when they're 40 years of age or whatever, they now have another accident. They fall and hurt themselves or they're in a car accident or something, and they bang their neck and they re-injure that same area where the osteoarthritis was. And that, that re-injury causes an opening in that and so that there's an opening that forms between the blood and the cerebrospinal fluid, just a crack. And it's enough of a crack for white blood cells to get in. Now, the white blood cells that circulate in that person at that time are poisoned. And that's the, that's the key. It's a, the perfect storm. ALS is a perfect storm because you have to have it all, all these little components to get this disease. And one of the components is an infection in your body. Usually it's in the intestinal tract. Usually it's from fungus, but it can be other things. For example, Lyme disease can cause it. Uh, Helicobacter pylori can cause it. Sinus infections can cause it. Any kind of infection that allows the chronic infection that has the monocytes, which are microglia or phagocytic cells in the blood, they go around and, and eat up all these poisons. And whenever they can find these poison, they stay, start eating and eating and eating every day, all day long. They get completely congested with poisons. And this congested poisoning causes 
what is called oxidative stress in the monocyte, and that mm -hmm. causes the SOD, the superoxide dismutase, to become folded improperly, and that forms aggregates, and these aggregates then are then placed into the cord by the monocyte because the monocyte is attracted to that injury site. So the monocyte goes to the injury site where the break is and the, and the, <coughs> and the blood cerebrospinal fluid barrier, and the monocyte drops these aggregates of superoxide dismutase into that, and you now you have them in the cord, and you have activated microglia in the cord, which surround the motor neuron, which then are killing the motor neurons, okay? So now you have to work on all of it. First of all, heavy metals like mercury are also involved because they allow these yeast poisons and all that to get uh, take a hold of your body. And so if you have been eating a lot of fish or whatever, or lead, uh, lead and mercury are the two major ones that are causing or contributing to this. Now, they by themselves do not cause it generally, but there have been a few cases that have been just lead poisoning. For example, four cases out of South Dakota back in 85 or so they were reported. You know, so in another case, there's, there's, each case is a little different, so you have to evaluate each person. But in general, you want to get rid of the heavy metals. You want to try to treat the fungus and all these bugs. Like in, in the gut, there's not only fungus, but there's clostridia often, E. coli. There's a bunch of things. And, and if they have the he Helicobacter pylori, you got to treat that. If you got sinus infection, you got to treat that. If you got an abscess tooth, you got to treat that. You got to treat everything that there is that to treat in terms of infections. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. You do all that, and you give stem cells to fix this cord, the cervical spine leak, and you put stem cells into the spinal cord, you get some really good results. That is amazing. That is so darn interesting. It's really, really, really interesting. Now, let's go back and hit that PDF. Is that downloadable at your website, or where is that? Uh, well, I, we gave it to you to download for oh that the for, out with the bad in with the good yeah uh, well it's the one on als it's osteo it's uh, says uh, something about osteo what is it called it says um where is i got it? Uh, oh here it is it's osseous osseous spinal injury and re-injury in als do you have that one uh no i don't think so but i'm going to ask oh, tiffany oh, to get it because oh, well, that, that that's so darn well, interesting you, you should have it there yeah, but but you can you can we'll look up you can put my uh, name up on Google and 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 probably Google it too. All right, it, good. It's, it's good. published in the Townsend Townsend newsletter, and oh October, yeah, I did October see that of 2016. You know, I did see. That. And now you I also got, I do have that download. You know, you, I did. I, that's on the last page. I asked. Yeah. You, now you can also see a lot of this on video on YouTube. I have if you put in Steam Block and ALS, I've got some really good videos on this whole topic as well. Fantastic. Now let's go ahead and close with Alzheimer's a little bit. I mean, these subjects are too deep to talk about in five minutes, you know, yeah, but, but well, let's, let's wrap a little bit if we can, because that is such a hot topic, as you said, when we first started talking this evening. Okay, well, Alzheimer's is a totally different condition. Number one, there's a lot of blood vessel damage in Alzheimer's, which nobody seems to know about. And, and, and in fact, if you look at all the cases of Alzheimer's, about two-thirds have vascular disease as a significant component. One-third, almost one-third of all Alzheimer's is due extreme, all to vascular disease. So that's atherosclerosis, hardening of the arteries, okay? Now, one of the components of that is oxygen deficiency. Now, we talked about oxygen deficiency in stroke. In this situation, it happens to many people. Many people have oxygen deficiency. They don't know about it. And, and this is, but it's only at night. You and I, normal people, have a decline in our oxygen transportation at night by 10%. So at, during the daytime, let's say you have a 97% have a oxygen saturation. At night, it'll be 87. 
Okay, so that's that's how low it can go. Now that's just the average person, but the person who has like who's obese, who drinks alcohol, who sleeps on their back, and has drinking and is overweight, they almost always will have hypoxia at night. Now that can cause hypertension, that causes atherosclerosis, that can cause heart attacks, all kinds of things. Not mm. not good things to have. Okay, now. Alzheimer's patients oftentimes have that. They have this intermittent hypoxia. Um, the uh, macular degeneration patients have it as well. So macular degeneration, I believe, is oftentimes, most oftentimes due to this lack of oxygen at night as well. Now, that's the fact that nobody out there seems to know, but I do because I treat patients with it. I see it all the time. So if you have macular degeneration, for God's sake, ask for an oxygen test that you take while you're sleeping. Okay, it's called a nocturnal oximetry test. Hardly costs anything, and it can save your life, save your eyesight. I've had people just do that, put them on oxygen, and their eyesight comes back. I've, I've had them come in demented and put them on oxygen, and their dementia goes away. And it's just within one day. And they, as soon as they stop their oxygen, they're demented again. <laughs> so you have amazing. To, yeah. So you have amazing. To, you have to understand oxygen is key. And I make a joke about God. I believe in God. That means G starts for Genesis or get up and go. And D is for done or dead. And in between, the only thing that counts is oxygen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's my some some total of life. <laughs> that, that covers it right there. Really? Does. I mean, it has, it has a spiritual message. We had a very practical utilitarian <laughs> message as well. So anyway, go back to Alzheimer's. Another factor is that oxidative stress, because when you have oxygen deficiency, when, when you get oxygen back, you get what's called an oxygen reperfusion injury. That causes free radicals to form, and, it, and then you have free radicals in your spinal cord, and that causes an oxidation of a particular kind of protein called, called tau, T-A-U. Mm -hmm. tau, yep. tau, tau becomes oxidized, and that starts to cause it to be hyperphosphorylated, and that hyperphosphorylated tau becomes then uh, goes into the locus ceruleus, which is in the fourth ventricle of the, the brain, and there is no barrier, no blood-brain barrier between the locus ceruleus and the spinal fluid, and so the poisons in the spinal fluid then are transported into the locus ceruleus, and now you get hyperphosphorylated tau in the locus ceruleus, and then that starts the whole process because that then has a, has a prion-like activity which causes it to replicate over and over again, so you have more and more hyperphosphorylated tau, and then that hyperphosphorylated tau jumps from one neuron to the next to the next, and then that's transported throughout the brain, and so that's how it all spreads. Now, sugar, turns out, is another contributing factor to hyperphosphorylated tau. And so sugar intake now has been definitely related to the formation of Alzheimer's and this phosphorylated tau. So if you're concerned about having Alzheimer's, stop taking sugar. Get rid of the sugar out of your diet. It's bad for you. I know it's tough. It's cold turkey, baby. Go for <laughs> it. It's good for you. Get off of sugar. It's oh. not good for you. Stop it for a lot of reasons. It causes allergies, hypoglycemia. My daughter made a joke about it once. She says, Dad, the problem with everybody in this world is the bane of everybody's existence. It's adenoids. I said, adenoids? She says, I said, honey, I've read every book there is on adenoids. I've taken them out of people surgically and all this. I've never heard of anything like that. Don't you mean adrenals? She says, oh, adenoids, adrenals, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> so we got to get it straight. It's, that's, okay. like, that's like I did do it i wouldn't do it and i'll never do it again <laughs> yeah oh that's wild no listen I, what i'm really happy about is the player on our website has a slow and a pause 
Okay. Because you are really loaded with information, and I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you cranking it up because you're really getting a lot of really good information out there. And what I need to do personally is come back and listen to you again because it went by, but because you're in a language base that's not I'm not familiar with, and all of our progress is based on effective communication, and you're doing a great job of communicating, but I got to get my listening cranked up a little bit better so I can actually oh, I digest I it, but it's so... So terribly interesting. So your bottom line is, I wanted to ask you this question as it came up. So do you do hyperbaric with uh, Alzheimer's? Uh, to some degree, but let me just finish one more thing. Please. Sugar is bad, and the reason why more so than anything probably is because of the yeast. Yeast infection in your intestinal tract is the cause of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, and ALS, by far, and you want to consider that anytime you have any neurological case, you've got a yeast problem and you got to get taken care of. And I swear to God, I don't care who, you know, it's been shown by, by autopsy studies, 100% of all autopsy studies with, with that have been tested and, you, and you know, when you're looking for it, they have found yeast in everybody's brain with Alzheimer's. They found yeast in everybody's spine with ALS, okay? Everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay, now that means that at autopsy, everybody's got it. Don't you think maybe they've got it in life too? <laughs> and maybe that's why they're eating the sugar. Now that's, listen, well, you the and the, I'm, I'm telling you this, David, you're going to get a kick out of this because are you familiar with biocidin? Are you talking yeah. to, you know, with Dr. Rachel Fresco, we interviewed her. She's, uh -huh. She developed uh, biocidin and, and, you know, what uh, listeners need to know, it's, it's 097 on our corebrainjournal.com forward slash 097 and uh, she uh, we talked about candida very extensively on that one and this is the first time I've really heard it in such a practical applicable way regarding neurologic injury I we see it all the time with brain problems we see it so many times with people who are refractory that actually on my protocols with the supplements we use over at Core Psych is we really look at candida is like up at the top of the list and getting the liver clear so that the candida can be cleared out when we kill it. I mean, that whole combination of things has to be done for ordinary psych, chronic psychiatric conditions oh, yeah. that are refractory to care. Yeah. 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 Well, that was like my first, I couldn't believe it, you know, myself. You know, I first read about trust back in 1989 in the Journal of Orthomolecular Medicine. I said, this is total quackery. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, I'm a standard doctor. I said, this is total BS. It can't yeah. possibly be. Me and too. I kept looking at it, looking at it, and then he published some more articles. Crook come out with some things. And I had a patient come in. You know, she had every kind of problem you can name. She had fatigue. She had aches and pains. And she was sick as hell. Had seen 10 doctors. Had been mm -hmm. suffering for years. And I said, well, and I looked at her and said, you know, you could have this. And I somehow I decided that maybe she had yeast. I said, let me just try this antifungal stuff on you. And sure enough, within a week, she was a new person. She just couldn't sing my praises high enough. I was God Almighty because mm -hmm. I had cured her after all these years and all this misery and suffering that she had gone through and I'd fixed her. I mean, I can tell you one story after another, after another. Me too. Other, yeah. You know, oh, and, we're, we're, you know. we're brothers from a different mother yeah. on this one because yeah. uh, it, it, I had that transformational moment myself, very skeptical, you know, quackery. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Why would a person have candida in their yeast? I mean, candida in their bowel and yeast in their bowel and then what to do about it. And uh, we're really serious about measuring everything because Hey, I'm a psychiatrist, and I've got to maintain some credibility, so I got to show it to them on on paper. Sure. And we use we use the uh, Great Plains oats, and we 
combine it with IgG testing because Great Plains does such a good job of getting the IgG dimension and then the arabidose whatever on the on the oats and we we have it hardcore there it is right in front of your face and here's the protocol let's get it done sure yeah well you can't you know it's oftentimes you, the only thing that tells you for sure is that oats whereas because cdsa says no growth you know and, and yeah. i did a study a little bit study where i took yeast cultures and i sent them you know here i have it in my i got it right here in my lab in my my office i take the plates and culture and send them off to the lab i got a 50 percent take 50 percent of the time it didn't grow at all and even though i had live yeast when i sent it <laughs> yeah. so so the, the the cultures just don't work quite well to culture this stuff so you have to go with like the urine organic acid test. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Well, yeah. you know, we have very, very similar practices. I can't, I mean, I, you're doing a lot of things that uh, I wouldn't begin to do just because, honestly, the politics. I was interested in HBOT uh, back in 2003 when I started seeing brain injury doing SPECT imaging, single, single photon emission computed tomography, and I became aware of it. We treated several people that had dramatic changes with HBOT. But I'm in a small town, and I just said, you know, I just couldn't handle the politics because I'm a psychiatrist, and psychiatrists have a reputation of being on the edge anyway. So then the issue is, what's this guy Parker? I mean, he's been talking about psychopharmacology. What's he doing treating yeast and HBOT and has a big chamber in his office, you know, so... Well, I, don't know. I, I, I go back to the Journal of, what is it, Biological Psychiatry in 1989. They had a paper, if you remember, they, had a, they were, did a study with Texas. They had took just ran, like they had, I think it was like 100 consecutive patients being admitted to a, a psych hospital, and they evaluated them, and they found that something like 50% were there because of biological reasons. Oh, yeah. Not, not, so the 50%... Oh. Is so you you know you just could, all you have to do is call yourself a biological psychiatrist and go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> I, actually, what I do is I don't like the word functional because it puts me over in a club that actually runs down traditional, and I still use psych meds. So I think of myself as a comprehensive guy, which is a biologic guy. Yeah, talking and, about that. Talking about that. Prozac is a, a drug. Of course, everybody's using it, but but you know it, it causes neurogenesis. It enhances neuron growth, and lithium does too. So for Alzheimer's, those two I'm using a lot because I put them a little Prozac in the morning and lithium at night because lithium stops stops that uh, that. Uh, that hyperphosphorylation of tau as well. So if you have a mildly demented person and you want to do something nice, just put them on a little Prozac and lithium. Yeah, the only problem with Prozac, it has so many drug interactions and so on, you know, with the 2D6 and 3A4 blockage, you know, but I understand what you're talking about, especially the size of the lithium. And I'm hoping to have uh, uh, another DO, interestingly enough, uh, uh, Jay Lombard with... Uh, the uh, gene site testing, I want to try to say it's Genomine, not gene site, and he's a big proponent of using lithium for serotonin transporter changes on genetic polymorphisms of serotonin tra transporter mechanisms. It really apparently helps out. He's, had, he's done some good research on that. So, Yeah, lithium is an underutilized drug, I think. I think sure. you're quite right. Well, I listen, mean, I, mean, I could talk to you all evening, buddy. We're going to have to wind <laughs> up here. It's so much fun talking to you. And... We got to have you back. I mean, we'll, right. we'll just right. figure out something to talk about because it's right. so, so interesting. And you are so doggone deep. And I know a lot of our listeners would love to have you come back. So uh, we'll think of a proposal offline. We'll come up and we'll have another, another meeting somewhere down the road. Yeah. Did you give out my phone number or anything? 
Oh, yes. That's, um, you know, let's talk about where your phone number and your website. I knew I was going to have it on the show notes, buddy, but let's go ahead and put it down. Absolutely. <laughs> my cell phone number, my, 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 my phone number is 949-367-8870. 949-367-8870. My website is www.stemcellmd.org. Stemcellmd.org. Sorry, I neglected. I got a little excited there on that. I apologize. We get we get excited about we forget the standard business things. Yeah, we gotta get let people know where we're at. Yeah, business. So I'm gonna have those listeners on the website. I'm gonna have I'm gonna spend some time on the show notes here because you want to come in and download things, and we're gonna put it together. I think you know what's what's happened. What's really been very helpful here is that thank you very much, David Steenblock. You have done a great job of pulling together a lot of information in a very doggone short period of time. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We'll have you back. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive, misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.